sharing and caring at home, a theme of our missions conference, these mission Sundays. Last time together in the Word of God, we saw that broken Christians share and care at home. And today we're going to see in the Word of God that generous Christians share and care at home. The text I want to take you to, if you have your Bibles nearby, is 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 to 19. I invite you to follow in God's Word. I'm reading from the New King James Version. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, hear the Word of God. Command those who are rich in the present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life." I want us to quickly see four things that bounce out of these verses for us to shape us to be more like Jesus Christ. Number one, in these verses we see that we are commanded to share with the needy. Number two, these verses tell us that some Christians are materially rich. Third, the Lord is okay with that provided that the believers who are materially rich aren't proud about it and provided they don't trust or worship their wealth. And fourth in these verses, sharing with others is expected by heaven. And of course, heaven has the most weighty expectations of them all. There are plenty of Bible examples of generous believers in both the Old and the New Testament. For example, Abraham giving the choice of the land to Lot. Boaz allowing uh, the refugee Ruth to glean in his fields and instructing his gleaners to leave handfuls of grain on purpose for the refugee Ruth. Mary Magdalene saved and cleansed from a life of prostitution to giving her life savings in the form of an extremely expensive perfume to anoint her Lord and Savior's feet before crucifixion. Joseph of Arimathea, who had a beautiful, I've seen it, family tomb in Jerusalem, not yet finished. And when the Savior needed a place to have his crucified and dead body laid for just a time, praise God, Joseph of Arimathea gave the use of that unfinished family tomb to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there are plenty of ample opportunities to see generosity exemplified in the Old and the New Testament. And so we need to remember that every part of Scripture, whether it's commendation, command, exhortation, or rebuke, or warning, is given for our benefit. So these examples of generosity are given to us not to give us a history lesson merely, but to give us a template, a puzzle top on the box of the puzzle to see how we negotiate with wealth and assets and free time and the like. And so in this time in Nassau, I'll speak for Nassau because this is where I live and minister, we need to be realistic that 
There are some things we need to be if we would be generous persons in Nassau wisely. We need prudence, and without going into a lot of details, because you have your own details to fill in, but we who would want to be generous in Nassau, at least, I speak to the city I know, we have to be discerning. Not everybody who presents with need has need. Not everybody who presents with a story tells a true story. We also need to be unwilling to fund sloth. Many people can't find a job. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who could have a job and won't work. Generosity is not to underwrite the cost of that. And certainly we aren't to generously give to those that would want it to fund sin. Many times when people come to me, I'll speak for myself, and their story is proven to be false. What you find out is what they wanted the money for was often dishonoring to God. Without going into a lot of details on that, because this is not a negative sermon, but rather a positive exhortation and call to myself in the pulpit and to you, my brothers and sisters who are listening, to be generous. We come back to the text. Command those who are rich in this present age. May I interject? If you have food to eat, clean water to drink, you are rich compared to 85% of the world. Command those who are rich in the present age not to be haughty. That's a word for proud, self-confident, looking down our noses at others that we think have less than us. Nor to trust in uncertain riches. You know that riches are uncertain. They're on loan from God. They're all his. What's in your bank account and mine is really God's because he gave us the health and strength and the intellect and the opportunity to earn money. He could take all of that away from any one of us pretty quick. And so we remember that we are not to trust in the uncertainty that is called riches, but instead to consciously trust in the living God who's in Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and yes, forever. Rock solid. To have our trust in him. And this God who is rock solid and trustworthy tells us that he gives to us richly all things to enjoy. Those can fit on a balance sheet and sometimes those things have nothing to do with the balance sheet. Grandchildren, the sea, flowers, the hug of your spouse, the trust of your neighbor. He gives us all things to richly enjoy. And then it says to those who are in this present age rich, it says to be about the task of doing good, that they may be rich not in funds on deposit at the Royal Bank of Canada, but rich in good works. You realize that good works are tailor-made for each of us according to Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, the Greek poema, from which we get the uh, English word poem. We are individual, unique, one-of-a-kind poems. 
How so? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Think of it. This week, as you contemplate how to respond to Delano Higgs' ministry, how to respond to Teen Challenge, how to respond to the needs in Abaco, those are some of the good works that God has predestined before you are twinkling in your mother or father's eyes. The good work that he's prepared for you to do and me to do. Let's be about it. Pray, be led, get information like we have today. Let us do them good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, ready and willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. Giving generously to others in need doesn't grant to us eternal life. Eternal life is a grace gift. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, including generous giving. But when we have been saved by grace, and we know that we're secure in that salvation, we cannot lose that salvation because of the same grace that saved us, then it ought to issue forth in generosity. Amen? So let's talk about some principles to do with generosity. The first thing I'd like us to see, when we look at four ways that generosity positions us for satisfaction in life, which, by the way, the corollary of that is that greediness positions us for dissatisfaction in life. So four ways that generosity positions you and me for satisfaction. First, it's being pleasing to God that we are generous. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 Hear the word of God, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully, so let each one, as he purposes his own heart, give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> Don't give until it hurts, give until you're cheerful. It pleases God when the Christian is generous. That positions the Christian to be satisfied in life when God is well pleased with us. Secondly, before I move off that, I went to an evangelical seminary in India to teach the books of Jeremiah and Isaiah to seminary students. I soon found out that they had all been disowned by their Hindu parents and had been threatened murder if they ever were to be seen of those village leaders from which they came to the seminary. The Lord gave me two weeks of rapid instruction for these keen theological learners who had already graduated from universities and were to graduate school for theology. The last day, there was to be a final exam in Isaiah and Jeremiah, and the leader, the chaplain of the class, who had told me that every one of the students had sacrificed to be at seminary, said, Pastor Elliot, may we have a short opportunity before the exam is proctored to give you something. We will take the minutes given to your presentation off of the time allotted for the exam. Wow. He presented to me on behalf of the class a clock, a plexiglass decorated clock with the shape of an eagle. And then he said, may I pray? And this is basically what he prayed. Heavenly Father, Thank you for bringing Pastor Elliot to India to teach us the holy books of Isaiah and Jeremiah. Lord, please grant it to each one of us that we could die as martyrs serving Jesus Christ in India. 
That was his prayer. I felt so unworthy to teach those men and women anything. Pleasing to God with their generosity, they went, put their money together to buy me that lovely clock as a gift. It's not only that it's pleasing to God that we're generous and that therefore we're positioned for satisfaction, but secondly, we can be spectators of an improved life. <laughs> when we generously give, we can be spectators to what God does with our generosity to help person have a better life. This week, a man came to the door. Many people come to the door each week here. And he said to me, Pastor, do you have any cars for me to wash or any windows to wash? And I, fortunately, I didn't. I prayed with him before he left. He said, Pastor, do you have any joy dish detergent? He knew exactly why I wanted that. So he could wash cars and wash windows somewhere else and earn something. So I happened to have a pantry full of church supplies and I went down and I got him a brand new bottle of joy detergent because just earlier the week I read in Proverbs, don't turn away someone who's in need when it's in your power to help them and say, come back tomorrow. So I have put extra money in the offering today to buy that joy detergent. When we generously give, we have the front row seat to be spectators to what God does to improve a life. I'm going to watch that dear brother. He works across at Island Lux parking lot. I'm going to watch him and watch his life blossom as he works hard with joy dish detergent. That's what Boaz could do with Ruth when he let her glean in his field. He had the excitement, the joy, the, the wonder of seeing her diligence and industry be blessed of his encouragement and generosity, and then he married her. You know the story. Also, to position ourselves for satisfaction by being generous, there's a freedom. There's a freedom in generosity. 1 Peter 2, 16 to 17, the preceding context of verse 15 is basically, verse 15 says, do good, and then verses 16 and 17 expand on it, as free. In other words, when you do good, you're free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but bondservants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Do you know what? If there's freedom in being generous, there's bondage in being greedy. I'm told that years ago, certain tribes, tribal people who wanted to eat monkeys because they needed the meat had a way of catching monkeys. They would take a jar like this without a lid. They put some peanuts in the jar. They tethered the jar to a stake in the ground. And sure enough, the monkey would come and he would grab the peanuts. But as long as he held onto the peanuts, he can't get his hand out of the jar. All he has to do is let go of the peanuts and he can get his hand free. But these monkeys were so greedy and hungry, they would not let go and they got caught. Generosity is letting go of some peanuts to be free, free in Christ. The fourth and final way, at least for this message, where you are positioning yourself for satisfaction in life by being generous is that God says, Jesus Christ has said, it's better to give than to receive, and so to be generous is better than not being generous. Acts 20, 35, 
I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So guess what? It's not as blessed to receive as it is to give. You want to feel more blessed? Don't get more. Give more. It is better, Jesus said, to give than to receive. And so I close with a simple application. Where's your hand in the jar? You know, he's got to go. I have school fees to pay. I have have to have savings for security. Bondage. Freedom. Which will it be? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be challenged by your word and by the choice servants you've brought to us today to be generous people. Of course, the first step to generosity is to look at the cross of Calvary and understand that Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Make us to emulate, to imitate the perfect generosity of heaven when we encounter choice opportunities to be generous with those in need. And we ask this for the glory of Christ. And God's people said, amen.